gracious with the kids? Okay. <laughs> I need someone to go back there and babysit there for five minutes while Grace comes up. You going to do that, Laura? Thanks. Is that going to hold? That's going to hold. All right. I'll wait for them to get back. It kind of stops the flow of where I was going. Okay. I heard something from about you this morning. I got to laughing over there. This is what the Lord says. Whenever you get antsy, go to the mountains and visit. But you're not leaving anytime soon. You think you're staying because of the business. But the Lord says, the business is staying because I got you here for a purpose. Okay. I got to laughing over there. God was so stand, where's did Will Will, I want you and Grace to turn around. Stand right there for me and face me. I told your husband last night I had a word for him. And then I met you this morning. I said, wow, I've got a word for her. And so I don't know. Hold still. I don't know what that word is. Okay, I have no idea what that word is. Okay. But I know I have one. Now, you know, that's because, by the way, I teach all the time. Thanks. I teach all the time when I do stuff. The reason I know I have a word for her is because I can go get a word. And the Lord quickened me that I have a word. So I, I just got to push into the, in the realm of the spirit are thousands and thousands of words for this, for this body of believers. And now's the time when it's going to be released and most of them are going to be given by you to each other. This is going to be a year when you're going to know who you are and what God has for you like never before. That's what the prophetic's for. And without the prophetic flowing in the church, you don't know what God's doing or what he's thinking. He doesn't, we think he's going to come down and drop a, a, a sheet of paper on it with all it written out. He, didn't, he designed it to come through the prophetic people. Now, I know you have prophetic people here. Inez is prophecy. I don't know who else is. I know these guys do. They've been doing it for years. How about that prophetic music this morning? You guys, you guys just don't know how blessed you are. You guys don't know. I spent last weekend in the church and... Everything was wonderful except for the music. Now listen, I am, a, I am a prophet of God. I want you to know that if the music is right, I work. And if the music's wrong, I am nothing's quick. I can always go into my gift to do it, you understand? But I'm talking about if, I should be, if I'm in music, I should be quickened. If you're singing praise to God, that something should happen on the inside. And nothing happened last weekend. In fact, the pastor, I'm going back in about, about six weeks, and we're going to change the music in that church. Because it should produce glory. And when glory is produced, God's got something to say. And that's what the prophets are for. Anyway, let's get all that. Who are you? Well, hi, Marianne. How are you? How old are you? Can you tell me? No? Okay, okay. Here's what I heard. Here's what, I, here's what I'm hearing from the Lord. This is the season when you guys find out your destiny. This next six months, you're going to know clearly what you're supposed to do for God and where he's taking you, okay? There's such an anointing on the two of you. When I, when I met her and found out she was your wife, I said, my goodness, how did God get two of them, two of them together? See, you don't know. I, I've ministered all the time. And I, I find a man that's anointed of God or a woman that's anointed of God and their spouse doesn't want anything to do with God. And you guys, I mean, there's such an anointing on the two of you for the ministry, and, and if you're thinking anything else, you can hang that up. Because God's going to have his way with you guys. 
and it's going to be a great ministry when, it, when the time comes. But it's first you need the revelation of who you are and the gifts that are in you. First off, you're both very, very prophetic, and that will all be expanded this year. By the way, you can be prophetic without being a prophet, do you understand? See, so, you know, we're not, we're not, I don't have to teach all that. You will we'll go with the flow. But you guys need to get ready for this next season. This next season is for you. I'm, 80, I'm 79. It's not for me. This next season is for you, that you will be developed through the apostolic team. Well, I'm going to teach you that this morning, man. But you're going to be developed into who you really are. What a revelation to find out who I really am in God. God, you mean this is who I am? And the answer is yes, that's who you are. And that's going to be your revelation for this year. Okay? Now, she and I are in agreement that you're going to be healed. We got, we got Grace. Now, how many, how many know I've only met Grace? I met Grace 45 minutes ago, right? I talked to her for three minutes, and her and I, are we not in agreement? We're in agreement about his, about his health. Because he's got to last a long, long, long time because God's got lots for him to do. But you guys need to get ready for this season. It's going to be the, one of the greatest seasons of your life. Now, you're, how old are you guys? How old are you? And how old are you? So you guys are just really young. But, you know, you don't have to wait till you're 50 to do this stuff. You don't even have to wait till you're 23 and 21 to do this stuff. And God's got a call in your life for this thing. And it's going to be great and glorious. See, the problem, you know, I didn't want to be a minister. Hold still. I was, someone said, you know what I did? I was there at the, at the church banquet. They were having a banquet or a potluck or something, and they asked me to pray. And I remembered a prayer. Somebody else prayed one time. What do I know about praying for? I never prayed for anybody. I was in a Methodist church. I wasn't even saved yet. Okay? So, so I said, no, I, I think I just got saved. I said, Father God in heaven. So I pray over this food, right? And they come and said, are you going to be a pastor? Well, I wouldn't be a pastor in that. Well, excuse me, I won't say that. I, I, would, I knew that I couldn't be one of those. I wasn't going to be one of those because that was my vision. That was, that's what I was shown by people, that this is how this thing worked. And I said, there's no way I can do that. And it's not because I wasn't capable. I ain't, I'm not doing that. I am not going to put myself under that bondage to be something that they wanted us to be. We're not doing that. But when I found out I could be who I am, I couldn't keep from doing what God called me to do. See, when I find out what I'm capable of, see, if you're capable of healing a six-year-old girl of deafness, how can you deny that? How can you go sit someplace on the couch and watch TV when you have the ability to heal the sick girl? You got to go find them and get them healed. How can you do that when you got that revelation and you know the power and anointing is there for it? By the way, all of you have that same anointing power, and that's, that's going to be a discovery for this next season. Okay. Anyway, the Lord says, get ready to travel. Get ready to travel. Get ready to stop your thinking about what's going to happen and go with the flow. And the Lord says, I'll flow you right into where I want you. Okay, and get ready for it. This is going to be a good year for the church. You are so anointed. You and I are going to prophesy in the nations. Okay, I promise you. I'm going to live long enough for you. Mine are going to go prophesy in the nations. I'm telling you. All right? Good. Okay. Here, I got something for you. Did you, give her, did you give her a cross last night? Oh, you already got one. I've only got four, so I'll, I'll bring you a personal one next time I come. But I only got four. I'm going to hand these out real quick, and now I'm going to preach because time's a waste. I've only got four. You were not there last night, correct? You weren't with us last night. So you get one. And you weren't with us last night, were you? Okay, so you get one. Are you licensed, Mama? God bless you. You've got such a wonderful boy. 
I know I can't get to the back row, guys, but I'll have some more. When I come back next time, I'll bring some more. There you go. I got some more, but they're, they're at home. I only brought 20. That's all I could get in the bag. I tried to get more, but wouldn't fit in the bag. All right, open up, if you would, real quick to uh, um, Mark. I think we want chapter 2. Bless the Lord. Much time as I want. I couldn't believe it when he said that. I don't want to keep you long. I just want to teach what God gave me. I got to tell you about that worship now. That's the best worship I've been in a long, long time. Okay, we want verse... Now we'll start with verse 19. Let's start with verse 18. Mark 2, verse 18. It says, And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast. And they come and say unto him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said to them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the day will come, when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that fill, filled it up taketh away from the old, and the rent is made worse. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilt, and the, body, the bottles will be marred, but the new wine must be put into new bottles. You know, that we talk about the wineskins, and we've talked about it a lot. A lot of people talk about it. We even talked and spoke about it last night. I want to talk about this weekend because of this. The new wineskin that God has is coming about because God had a plan. Now, in order to go forward, how many of you know if, if when, they, when they, did you know that they can take a rocket, they send a rocket up, and they're going to go to the moon? And they go around the earth, and then they get it, and then they, then they hit the rocket again, and they break free of gravity, and they go to the moon. And do you know if they're off that far when they leave the earth, they'll miss the moon by f how many miles? If you're off that far in the beginning. So when you get off, you, 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 can't, you can't be off the road and get to the destination. You got, you got to be on the track you're supposed to be on. And the church has left the track to where God wants it to be. He wants to come back for a church that's without spot or blemish. Okay? That does not work without reformation because we left that track. So in order for us to find out who we're supposed to be, we got to go back to the book of Acts and find out what they did in the beginning and go from that point. Where, with a place where they worked properly, we got to go back and find out how they did it for us to go forward into the new things that God has. And so, so it's, having a new wineskin means this for us. Our, the old wineskin that we have is brittle. It doesn't allow any breathing room. It doesn't allow any change. And it doesn't allow us to do what God's doing now. See, I, I teach you, I grew up a Methodist. My wife doesn't like me to say this, but it's true. I grew up in the Methodist church, and they, they took a survey 
Uh, there's a guy a group named Barnum. He does all this fancy stuff, and it's mostly denominational stuff. But they found out of all the denominations, the ones who didn't believe anything most were the Methodists. Like 24% of the Methodists believe in the basic tenets of the faith. You say, how is that possible? It's easy as possible because they got off track and there's nobody to get them back on track. See, When I became a charismatic, found out, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I find out that the Methodist Church has a paper on their position on the charismatic renewal and as an official document, they totally embraced the charismatic renewal. Officially. But nobody did it. And if you went to those churches and you tried to do that, they wanted you to leave. I'm just saying, you know, I went to the Assemblies of God in Ecuador. And I finally, I, 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 well, I didn't break my heart because I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. But I'm telling you what, it was tough. And I said to one of the leaders down there, I said, you realize that, that I believe what the Assemblies say they believe. But they don't believe what they say they believe. And he, we both sit there and cried at the table. Because there's pastors that don't believe what they say they believe. And it's a tragedy. So, so what, what, what do we have to do? We have to find out what the wineskin is supposed to look like so we can move into that. Now, here's, here's the best part about it. The new wineskin automatically produces life. If you're in a new wineskin, if you're in the correct wineskin, everything works. And if you're not in the correct wineskin, it doesn't work. So, so we keep trying to get the result from the wrong structure. So I want to tell you about structure. There's a rule about structure. I should follow my notes or I'll go over the place, but let's see what I said. Okay. I said that. We said that. There's two things that the church needs. One is authentic community. What does that mean? That means that when I look at you, I see a people. I don't see black or white or old or young. I just see a people. That's all I see is a people. We've been doing this so long. We have multi-ethnic church. Listen, I had, I'm a minority in my church. They're all Hispanic. We got, I think right now, we, well, we only got a few left. When I had 55 people in my living room, well, about 45 of them were Hispanic. There were three or four or five black people and me. I think it was about three or four of us, you know. And you say, Norm, are you mean in Miami you're in the minority? Yeah, sure. There's only 10% of the people in Miami are white like I am. Everybody else is black or Hispanic. 20% Hispanic, uh, black. They outnumber the whites two to one. Isn't that crazy? I say whites. My wife called my wife one night and I said, you know, I'm looking at my cashiers. I'm working in the grocery store at the time. I said, we're out of the ministry at the time, okay? I said, I got five blacks. Five Hispanics and five whites. And I heard over the phone, aren't I white? Because <laughs> that's my wife. She called me on it. You know, you can't do that. But anyway, Hispanics, they have a, they have a culture. And the blacks have a culture and the whites have a culture. But when we, we're supposed to give up all our cultures and come into a community where we have authentic community. We're going to have a kingdom culture. We're going to have a kingdom culture. Now, listen, that means we'll accept anybody, no matter who they are, as long as they want to be kingdom. Now, if they don't want to be kingdom, they'll find out they're in the wrong place. See, because we do kingdom here. What does kingdom mean? That means we live under the rule and reign of the king. Isn't that easy to understand? See, Christ come and set up a kingdom, and I'm going to live under it. That means I'm going to do things. I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to do it his way. 
can't do it my way, and I can't do what he says my way, it doesn't produce life. It only, the kingdom only produces life when we do what the king says. That means if you slap me on the face, what am I supposed to do? Turn the other cheek. How many got that one down? See, you understand what I'm saying? See, so, so, so is, you mean God demands that? He doesn't demand anything. He says, listen, if you want to live with me, that's, that's an automatic. The first thing you learn is you can't be offended. Brother Randy Lesher is a uh, prophet of God. He was one of my greatest mentors. I've known him since 85. We spent two years in Jacksonville. We did a circuit school of prophets. And, he, and he, he, I was going up there helping the school of prophets in 99. And he said, someone said, well, what's Norm's greatest attribute? He said, it's impossible to offend him. But you know what happened? Before I left, he offended me. Because <laughs> I'm still a human, you know. But I'm, it took a long time. <laughs> but finally, he offended me. And I left and went back to Miami, and it was, it was a long story. We got it straightened out. You know, I, let me tell you what happened. I'll tell you real quick. We got, we got to fussing, and I wanted to get it straightened out. Okay, I'm in the new church with another guy, and he says, you need to get that straightened out. So I called Randy up and said, no, Randy, when you come to Miami, I want to meet with you and get it straightened out. He says, well, I'm in Miami. I'm working. If you want to straighten out, you have to come to Jacksonville. Now, I know what that means. <laughs> if you go to Jacksonville and I have an appointment, he'll call me and say, I have to cancel the meeting today, so you'll have to wait till Monday. See? Well, I can't, you can't drive six hours away. and You, know, you understand? I can go there. If I'm going to meet at 2 and I know I'm going to meet at 2, I would have done that. But I already know him. He's not, listen, we were his staff, and he canceled a meeting with us six days in a row. His own staff. I'm not going to, you know what I mean? So I, I, no, I'm not going to do that. So anyway, I finally, my wife finally told me, she said, listen, you're doing this wrong. I said, why don't you call him up and tell him you love him? I said, that's a good idea. So I, went, I got on the phone to call him and tell him I love him, and I got a meeting with him in Orlando, and we went and got it straightened out in about 15 minutes. See, all I had to do, I had to change my attitude. I had to come back under the kingdom. See, I had to come back under the kingdom. You know, who told me last night about the, the thing about the anger? Who said that last night? Anybody here said that last night? No, no, I think it was, I'm, huh? Yeah, right, yeah. See, see if, if you want to get mad at me, you have to leave the kingdom to do it. Isn't that good? So if you get mad at somebody here in this body, You've already left the kingdom. You're, you're operating in a different kingdom. See? If you're angry, it, it, you're, you're, you're in a different. I don't do strife, by the way. I quit doing strife. I'm too old to do strife. <laughs> I don't do strife. If you want to be strife, you've got to go someplace else. I don't do strife. And so anger, anger, when you get anger in you, you've stepped out, you've left the kingdom of God because in the kingdom, he doesn't want you to be offended. See? So you get over there. And so that's how you live in the kingdom. We're going to learn how to do that. Uh, uh, Casey and Langston are going to teach that stuff over the next weeks. Because you have to learn to live in the kingdom to be a, to want people want to be with you. Did you know that people always love to be with kingdom people? Now, I love being here already because of the worship. I would come just for the worship. See? Because people don't have this kind of worship. Where the king's in charge. How do we know the king's in charge? He gave us new songs. He gave us prophetic words. He, he stirred up that, that beautiful song the lady sang. This is good stuff. You say, well, doesn't everybody do that? I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Ego and, and uh, stuff on the platforms and 
people setting up their own kingdoms and uh, you just, whoa. I can't, I don't, I can spend an hour talking about that. We're not going there. Okay. Okay, back to the thing. Anyway, okay. anyway authentic community. And the second one is the glory of God. So in the kingdom, community, people loving one another just because they love one another because they're obeying God. I'm going to love you because I obey God, not because you're so wonderful. How many know you have the ability to not be wonderful? But I'm going to love you because he's wonderful. And I'm serving him and I do it his way. Okay, but the other thing is the glory of God. There's got to be in the meetings and in our lifestyle and in our homes and in the streets of Tifton, there's got to be a release of the glory of God. Otherwise, we're not kingdom people. Now, listen, that doesn't mean you got to be like me. It doesn't mean you got to be like me. But all of you ought to be able to do this. You walk up to Michelle. You said, hi, Michelle. You know, the Lord wants you to know this is going to be the best season of your life because God's got a plan that you don't know about. He's going to reveal it to you, and he's going to take you into things you've already desired in your heart and have never walked in. You always look for someone else to do it. And the Lord says, no more. No more. See, see how, how hard is that? How hard is that? You just reach out. You don't have to, you don't have to say, thus saith the Lord. Here. What's your first name? Beverly? Beverly, the Lord says to you, don't worry about that thing you're worrying about. You give it up. It's killing you. You let it go and keep going with me. I'll fix it. Is that an accurate statement? Is it, say it loud. Is that inaccurate? Do you have something you're worried about? No? You don't have any worries at all? Okay. Well, then I look stupid, don't I? <laughs> I'm telling you, there's something you need to let go of. So if I'm wrong, tell me next time I come. Tell me you search your heart, you look at your life, and you're, you're happy. Okay? Good. That's the first time I've ever missed it. If you believe that, man, I'm a, I got a bridge, bridge to say you out in the desert of Arizona. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so we're going to go with this. Now, the glory of God. We want to see the glory of God. It should automatically be there. We're, we're, we're in the tension between the scene in the book of Acts and what we're experiencing in the present time. How come it's different then than it is now? What is different about the book of Acts? They had everything they needed. And now, well, part of it is our revelation, but part of it is the church drifted away from its original purpose. You, see, you don't remember this because we live in 2014, right? I mean, 2019 right now. But in, in, in 300, they went into the dark ages, and for 1,200 years it was dark. No revelation at all. And then God had to restore. He spent, he spent 400 and 30 years bringing excuse me, Hebrews 6.2 back into being. He took 400. How come he couldn't do it quick? 430 years to restore the basic tenets of the faith from Hebrews 6.2. Boom, boom. Repentance from dead works. Faith towards God. The baptisms, the, the doctrine of baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, actually, more than that, but, uh, the other baptisms too. And then the laying on of hands. Four of the basic tenets of the, of the faith had to be restored to the church. And then the five-fold ministry had to be restored to the church. And now, and so it took all that time. You say, my goodness. And it's 2000, and this is supposed to be the time when all the saints are functioning according to Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. We're supposed to be coming into the unity of the faith 
together doing the works of Jesus every place we go. And yet the church is fragmented. They've let, they've let this, the differences of doctrine divide when God put us together. See, see, you and I, you know, what's your first name? Tell me again. Kinzet. Okay, Kinzet and I are in unity because that's where God put us. So I meet her. I find out she's black, and I say, I'm not going to let that separate us. Then I find out that she doesn't believe in speaking in tongues. I can't let that separate. God put us in unity. The only thing I can do is I can take my doctrines and my own ideas and use them to separate us. God already put us together. If you're not in unity, you're, you've left what God wanted because he, he put us in unity. Lord, that they would be one the way you and I are one. The glory you've given me, I've put in them. I'm filled with the glory of God. I have to deny that to be at odds with you. And the, the churches, they divide over anything. You, you, in, my, in a church in, uh, where my brother lives, it was in LaBelle, Florida. He passed away in November. And he was living in LaBelle, Florida. And it had like, like 5,000 people. It's got 50 churches. And you know, most of those people aren't saved in, in that little town. They got 50 churches. And you know what happens? The guy gets upset with the pastor. He goes over and starts his own church. He goes along about six months or a year, and one of his people gets mad, and they go down the street, and they open up. You go, down to, you go to Miami, Florida, and you go to overseas, and there's storefronts everywhere, pastors with 20 or 30 people, 50 people, hundreds of them. What, why are they all separated like that? Because they do not want to be under authority. And the only way they can keep from being under authority and serve God is to have their own ministry. See? These two guys said, I think this will work really good if we're under authority. See, they were looking for an authority to develop them and the church into what it's supposed to be. This, this, is, this is really, if you catch a hold of some of this stuff, it looks, you say, wow, look what God's doing. Because that's how God always does it. Nine months after I submitted my ministry to another man, I was already 62, I was in, had international ministry. And most of my greatest ministry was overseas. I did great things overseas. Still doing. Still got churches done. We're overseas. Okay, let's go on. I got to be careful because I know too much. Got too many stories. Okay, here's the conclusion: a reformation of the church structure is inevitable if we want to convey the reality of heaven and advance the kingdom of God. There's no life without structure. You have to have structure. But but the with no new wineskin, life comes first. And then you add structure. Okay, now here's my, 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 my mentor, Randy Lesher, said this to me one time. He said, a man gets a revelation from God. Happens all the time. You got a pastor there. He's got a church. He's not spirit-filled. Norm Spencer comes in and said, listen, you need to get all these people filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. You need to teach them how to prophesy and how to heal the sick. Raise the dead and cast out devils, Matthew 10, 7 and 8. Simple, basic Christianity. This is, not, this is not far, wild stuff. This is regular stuff. And he says, oh, that's so excited. All the people get healed and come in here, and, and, and I go and I, and, I, and I prophesy, and I teach everybody how to heal the sick, and I come in and get everybody healed. But you want to know what he doesn't do? He's got a revelation from God. He loves the revelation, but he doesn't change his structure. He doesn't want to change his structure. 
what, if we change the structure after the praise and worship, what if Langston gets to singing the song of the Lord and he goes too long and I have to wait before I teach? What about the young lady? She's not allowed to come up front because she's not on the worship. Listen, you've got a structure, man. That structure will cut out the life of the church unless it's changed. And so they don't change structure. So, you, so here's what happens when you don't change structure. This is a tragedy. You change the revelation. I go into a church. This is, I got so many true stories. It's so much fun when you do a lot of stuff. I, I go into church. They're not, they're not necessarily spirit-filled. Assemblies of God, but that doesn't mean they're spirit-filled. And on the sign it says, from your belly shall flow rivers of living water. So I got up and I preached on that. And got them all filled with the Holy Ghost. And got them all speaking in tongues, as many as they would. Okay? And you know what the report come back? Norm puts too much emphasis on speaking in tongues. Now let me say this to you. You can't put too much emphasis on speaking in tongues. You can talk about it every day, all day long, and it's not too much. It's not too much. Why? Because it's a very, listen, when you're speaking mysteries to God, what's better than that? See? You have prophecy in the church. I was, they were in church on a Sunday morning, and someone says, you going to that, that, you going to that special meeting? They were someplace. Anyway, they said, you going to that meeting tonight over there with those prophetic people? No, all they do is prophesy to one another. I'm thinking, yeah, we're hearing from God. Prophecy's hearing from God. See, So if you don't want to hear from God, then you can skip all that. But if you want to hear from God, you embrace prophecy. They said, no, they just prophesied. See, they didn't have a clue what they were talking. They didn't have a clue. They were rejecting revelation. They were lovely people, but they rejected revelation. And so, so the, in the culture of the kingdom, we have to be open to the revelation of God. So we go back to Acts to find out what it's supposed to look like. What's church supposed to look like? So over the next weeks, we're going to teach you what, how that works and what it looks like and, and what, what's going to happen to you because you live in a kingdom. This, how old are you? Ten, right? Okay, what's your first name again? Eliana. I knew that. Okay. Now, I didn't, I didn't see you, but I saw you when you were blue. When you were first born, I saw you. When you were, right, didn't I saw him right when you were first born? You didn't know I was there, did you? I was there. <laughs> it was an unusual circumstance. Okay, but anyway... She's, she's 10 years old. I can take her with me, and if she hangs out with me, just traveling with me and going to meetings with me, she'll become so prophetic you wouldn't believe. Because that's what I do. And if you go with me, you're going to be prophetic. See? It's, not, it's just because I live in the kingdom where pro prophetic lives, and she's going to come into the kingdom with me. It just happens automatically. Well, she's only 10 years old. She's not two. If she was two, it'd be hard. Although my son, when he was two, could see demons and angels. Uh, he's a seer prophet. He saw everything from the time he was this big. Dad, you got to come and do something in my bedroom. I'm seeing stuff in my bedroom. I go in the room and say, the Lord got nothing in here for me. But I believe him. So I cast out the devils. And he said, okay, Dad, and he goes to sleep. I was in a meeting with him one time. He's 17, 18, 19 years old. I can't remember. There. I'm, I'm praying for people here, and he's praying for people over there. He says, hey, Dad. I said, what? He said, he said, the biggest demonic being I've ever seen just stepped in front of me between me and this person. I said, well, cast him. He said, I already did. Move him out of there. Go get back to praying. Crazy stuff, you know. But if you hang out, if you hang out in the kingdom, 
It happens automatically. I'm not talking about stuff that's, woo. No, I'm just talking about it's normal stuff to be hear from the voice of God and be able to minister the voice of God. And when you realize that God always is speaking, it's easy to go get a word for somebody. It's easy to grab their hand and say, the Lord wants you to know. We had fun at the restaurant last night, didn't we? We had such a beautiful wait, waiter there last night. And Carol started talking to him about that. And pretty soon I just prophesied to him. He says, funny you should say that. Funny you brought this up, didn't he? It's funny you brought this up. I'm dealing with this thing. See, that's, that's, that's how prophetic works. It, ex- it confirms, exposes, and it also brings new information. Now, when I think I told Bill this morning, that, that wasn't new. He already knew that. He's, uh, he's already dealing with it. He's working, walk, he's walked through it, and he's ready to obey God. So I just want, I just want to show him the, 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 the which was a heart, which was a cart, and which was the horse. Good stuff. Okay, now <sighs> structure is not the goal, but there's no lasting life without a flexible wineskin. You have to have some structure, but it has to, it has to breathe. There has to be room for the the lady to come up and take the microphone and sing the song of the Lord. I said to myself, Langston, are you sure you want to give her the mic? Because one of the rules we use is we don't, we hold the mic, we never give the mic. And he gave her the mic. He gave her complete freedom. Are you kidding me? And it was glorious. See, see so that you, have to have, you have to trust God when you have a flexible wineskin. You spend time trusting God because you don't know where it's going to go. You don't know where it's going to go. You trust God. See? And so you, you get in this new structure. So the new structure is important. The structure has to be flexible, which is why they had to have a new wineskin. Remember, when, when the old wineskin did not hold the glory of God. When Jesus' day, there was no glory in the old wineskin. They had to have a new wineskin. Because when, when the new wine comes, it'll burst the old wineskin. It'll cause chaos. So you, you build a new wineskin. We're going to build a new wineskin, a new structure that allows the full glory of God to be expressed and be experienced by us here or wherever we are. I say here, I mean in the city. So, so th- this is what we're looking for, a, some, a structure that will hold that. And it's got to be flexible. Why? Because we're all different kinds of people with different kinds of gifting. So it's got to be flexible. And if you make a hard and fast rule where well, you've got to be six foot two, how many know most of us are out of it? You know, well, how, how tall are you, 5'10"? 5'11", okay, see, she, 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 she wouldn't qualify. Wouldn't that be a tragedy if she didn't qualify to prophesy because she's not tall enough? And, and you see, see what happens is you laugh at that because it's funny. But how many, listen, I go all, all kinds of churches. I go to churches where they invite me in, and there's rules. I mean, rules that almost don't allow me to minister. You know, they got rules that don't want me to do certain things. I always say, how much, how much leeway do I have? And if you don't, if you say, right, we've been through that already. If you say, oh, there's no limit. You can have all the freedom you want. Betty, you are ready for that. See? Now, do I go as far as I can? There's an inner witness about some things. But if God tells me, I go there anyway. You know, I mean, I, I can contain, I can contain myself. I got to be in order. And even though he doesn't tell me some things, I know some things are some things can't be done because it'd be out of order, even though he tells me I have freedom. I have freedom in his mind, in his, in his structure, in his box. So I got to stay, stay there. And when I'm you know, overseas in a different culture, it took a while, and I learned some of that. I, I ignored most of it, I got to be honest with you, because I was doing something new. 
rigidity leads to death. Why are so many leaders caught up in a rigid maintenance mode in the church? And that's because they don't change the structure. They love the structure. They've learned the structure. The structure is second nature to them. They know where they're going to go. They know what they're going to do. And they don't want anybody else. Listen, you got 20 people or 30 people, 30 people here this morning. We get to know you really, really well. He knows that he can let the lady sing because he trusts her and we're a small group. But if you've got 1,000 people and you've got 100 of them you've never saw before, you, you have to have a structure or they'll come in and tear your church apart. So you have to have a structure. See? So, 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 so there, there is a place for structure. It has to be flexible so that when those people become known to us and we can trust them, that there'll be an order when they have the microphone in their hand, then you come out. So we're flexible where that's concerned. We're not keeping anybody out, but we have to have a, some structure so that people don't come in and rend the church. You know, what people come up and I, somebody asked me a question this last week. Listen, I got a guy in my church, every time he gets the mic, he keeps it. <laughs> so the, you, can't, you can't not give him the mic if everybody gets a chance to have the mic. I said, you got you to talk to him individually. I said, you can't, see, most places, I know places, I've been going to one place for 20 years, almost 20 years, uh, about 19 years, twice a year, telling the prophetic four or five different times. And every time someone violates a rule for the prophetic, they don't correct the person, they take the mic away from everybody. See, it's easier to take the mic away from everybody and not have the prophetic than have a mess. But how many of you know that if you have ox in the stall, you're going to have a mess in the stall? And we need the prophetic in the church. What we have to learn is learn how to do it correctly. And if you get out of line, we say, listen, you're out of line, then get back in line. It's easy. I went into a church one time. My pastor's church, really, years ago. And they were buzzing and going on. And they were doing this. I said, what are you guys doing? He said, well, we got to go pray. Sister Susie's talking about Sister Jane. And this is going. I said, why don't someone just call Sister Susie on the phone and tell her to hush? We're going to go pray, and we're going to cast out devils, and we're going to bind, we're going to lose. Just call her on the phone and tell her to shut up. See, it, what it needed was authority. didn't need prayer. It needed authority. In the kingdom, authority is supposed to work so that, so that we know, understand what we're doing, and we can speak with authority. That's why when you don't have an apostolic team in charge of your church, you don't have that authority. It looks like you have the authority. We've got a man in charge. But he doesn't carry the proper weight to have authority in spiritual matters. And so it, it, gets, it gets boxed up. People don't automatically obey just because you have a title. They obey because you got spiritual authority. See, I want to tell you this. I come up to meet these two guys. Now, I've talked to the Langston's for a long time. I've talked to Casey far, far, far times on the radio, on the, on the phone, and got up here. I'm sitting down there, and I have no idea how this is really going to go. Okay. Are they really looking for someone to come in and serve them? Which I do as a, the, the, the foundation is below everything else. The apostles and prophets serve up. They serve the church up. But, but are they really ready to follow my lead and they're going to go where I tell them we need to go? Or are they just want me to come in and kind of coach from the sidelines? I'm willing to do it either way. I love Langston. You don't know how happy I am, how, how joyful I am this morning to be on the platform with him. We've been trying to work together for f 14 years. And now, all of a sudden, we got an opportunity to do that. I, that's rich stuff, man. You don't see this kind of movement hardly anywhere. I'm just telling you. The big churches are afraid to let you have any kind of movement.
because they got 10,000 people. How are they going to do that? Okay? And the small churches, they have no prophetic flow because they don't know how to release that. I mean, I'm sitting over here rejoicing. I'm thinking, man, I want to be in this church. And I haven't even got up to teach yet. You know what I'm saying? You guys are blessed beyond measure. This is going to be so easy. This is going to be so glorious going forward. This next six months are going to be wild as we find how to move in the things that God wants to move in. It's going to be great. Okay, onward, onward, onward. Now, the pastoral p- paradigm. Today's pastors or gifted administrators have become, they've become the normal in most churches. Gifted administrators are pastoral anointings. There's nothing wrong with pastors. I love pastors. But pastors can only do what their gifting is in them to do. If I'm a, you're, he's a tile man. Did you know that I'm, I'm, I'm fairly smart? I'll bet you if he took me under his wing in 10 or 15 years, I could tile a bathroom. <laughs> See? You understand? But I'm not going to go tile the bathroom. I don't have the skill. Listen, I don't have the motor coordination. That tiles will be every which way. So I know that because that's, that's not what I do. I, you, know, you, know, you know how some people know how to, they get a motor and they know what to do with the motor? <laughs> that's what I do. If it don't work, I call the mechanic. I don't know anything about it. You say, Norm, it's simple. You should be able to do this and this and this. I say, you don't understand. Nothing like that works for me. I don't live in that realm. It's a f- so foreign to me. And, and he goes over and sets that tile up and cuts it for the corners and cuts those pieces and puts them in there. Everything's level. Everything looks nice. I would be 100 years before I could learn how to do that. I never could learn how to do it. I don't have what it takes to do that kind of work. And pastors don't have what it takes to be apostles. They have what it takes to be pastors. Every church needs pastor pastoral uh, work. We need a pastor in this, in this group that's going to pastor the congregation. Now, you look around, it's not a big deal right now with 30 people. What if it's 300? You have to have pastoral care for the people. See? But that's not the apostolic team. The apostolic team is a vertical ministry. We go to heaven and find out what he says we're supposed to be doing, and we come back down and we order the structure of the church to coincide with heaven. By the way, you know where the prophetic song comes from? Our praise goes up, touches heaven, Heaven's door is always open, by the way. But if we worship and we praise and worship God correctly, we open it on the other side, and that praise goes up there, and then what, ha- what comes down? His presence and his glory. It comes down, and then his voice comes down, and he starts to speak to us. That's how all that prophetic works in a, in a worship. And if you don't have that connection, you'll never have that. I sit there in that church the other day. I'm sitting there, and they're singing that song. An hour and a half they sang that song, and nothing happens. Now, I can always get up and prophesy. I can always get up and do stuff. I wanted to do miracles, and I couldn't do miracles out of that. I went there to do miracles. The praise and worship, two services, was an hour and a half long, and they did so much prophetic ministry and stuff among themselves. Everybody else became spectators. And there was no move of the Spirit of God. They're just up there worshiping God like they were in their prayer closet. Well, that's not right. That's not good. But this worship this morning, shoot, you, if you wanted to enter in, you could enter in. They were going someplace. We got to go with them. They, they, they had like, it was like a train and just jump in, the, in one of those cars and go right up with them. Has anybody didn't experience that this morning? Because we'll pray for you and next week we'll put you in the front row. <laughs> But I'm telling you, this is good worship. It's, I, mean, I, I, got, I said, man, I am so glad that worship's not the one thing we have to worry about. I was wondering. I didn't know what it was going to be like, you know. 
I, I've, I've been here before, but you know, I don't remember. I was, last time I was here, like three, four years ago, over at, uh, the last time I was here, you still were in the other church. Okay. Now, <clears throat> why are church pastors fighting to preserve structures rather than changing and embracing life-yielding wineskins? They have, a, they, have a, they have a paradigm. Here's how it's supposed to work. A prophet sees better pastor at the top of the mountain. The apostle says, let's go check it out. The evangelist goes out and spreads the word and tells everybody. The pastor goes and looks at the supplies and provisions to make sure on the journey everybody's going to be fed and taken care of. That's the pastor's role, to make sure everybody in the congregation has got food. Everybody in the congregation has got a place to live. Everybody's got their needs met. That's what pastoral cares about. Remember in Acts? You read Acts, you find out about it. They said, they, said they come and they were arguing about who's, the, the Gentiles weren't, weren't, weren't getting enough food. To, all the food was going to the Hebrews. So the, the other guys were being left out, so they complained. And so they appointed seven guys full of the Holy Ghost, honorable, under authority. They got some guys that believed like they believed, and they put them in charge of the distribution. Why? Because that distribution was necessary for the body of Christ. They needed that distribution. And, there's, and those are pastors. See? But the apostolic team, their job was to find out what God was saying from heaven and proclaim that to the people. And they also were supposed to look and see what the church was supposed to be and enforce it down here and build a structure that would contain that. And that's what apostles and prophets and teachers do. And so if you go to Antioch, in Antioch, we'll probably teach in Antioch at some point. I got, I got about 10 lessons I teach out of Antioch, chapter uh, 13, 1, 2, 3. There's all kind of lessons in there. But it's so clear that they were, the, 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 the prophets and the teachers were worshiping the Lord. What were they doing? Can you just see it? Close your eyes and just look at these, these six guys. Prophets and teachers are going, Lord, we worship you. Lord, we belong to you. We adore you. We choose to adore you, Lord. You're the most important thing in our life. Okay? When they did that, God spoke. See, that, that, thing says, that song says, I will adore you. Now, adore means what? It means I put you in first place above every other thing. The thing you adore is the thing you take care of. The thing you protect, the thing you what a tremendous, I love that song. I love that song. And so, so I will adore you. On purpose, I'm going to adore him. It doesn't matter how I feel about it. It doesn't matter how much pressure I got from my wife, not how much pressure I got from my children, how much pressure I got from the world. I choose to put him first above all things. Okay? So they were doing that, and now God speaks to them, listen, and change the world. Change the world. Why? Because they said, we adore you, we put you first. He said, those are my guys. There's an Old Testament scripture that says, the Lord goes back and forth over the earth looking for the people he can put himself strong to. And I stand and say, hey, Lord, hey, hey, look at me, I'm here. You can show yourself strong to me. I'll do what you want me to do. Norm, you're old, you're 79 years old. Are you sure you're going to go up to Tifton? It's a long ways away. Hey, are you kidding me? I would crawl up to Tifton for this next assignment. That's what he wants, and that's what I'm going to do. What about your wife? You want to know how I really feel? I love my wife more than any other human being in the world. I always have. I adore her too. Okay, but I'm telling you this: I'm coming to Tifton. But my wife loves God. She adores God too. You know what she said? Hey, you tell them we're going to come and pour into your life. 
We're not looking for a hierarchy. We're looking for people we can love and adore and pour in and teach you all the stuff we've learned over the 30 years or 40 years of ministry. That's what we're going to do. 50 years almost. 50, 47 years. I've been preaching about uh, probably 48 years. I was preaching before I was born again, remember. That would not fly in the kingdom church, but it flew in the Methodist church. Not only that, I was pretty good at it too. I understood spiritual things. I just He just wasn't my savior and king. You can understand spiritual things. I did. I laugh about it because it's funny. Okay. The pastors make sure everybody has provisions for the road. The teacher prepares maps and a description of the history of the land they will cross. You just see these five guys getting together. What the prophet sees, he sees something. He sees possibilities. He always sees them close. So I got, I've, learned, I've learned to push what I see back. I can't operate in the apostolic if I'm always going to bring everything close. Because I say, we're going to do this. Well, I want to do it tomorrow. As a prophet, I'm ready to do it tomorrow. But the apostle says, wait a minute. We can't do step 10 till we do 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. So half our conversation, we had about six hours of conversation. And in those six hours, the thing was, I said, number one, we got to make decisions. Nothing happens without decisions. Number two, we got to have a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. We got, we're going to start with this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. So we, we got, now, it's not etched in stone because we have a flexible wineskin. But we got a plan. One, two, three, four, five. Well, what about that? No, that's, that's over there. You know, th this problem, that's over there. That's six months from now or five. Who knows? But it's not now. Now it's this, 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 this. So we're, that's what we're doing. I'm going to start coming. They're going to start teaching a certain, uh, teach on the kingdom, teach on the kingdom, that kind of stuff. I'm going to come back, teach on the apostolic, so we can put our foundation down so all of us understand what our structure looks like and its purpose, what it's going to produce in you. The proper structure will make you champions in the kingdom of God. If you don't have the proper structure, you will never become what you're supposed to become. If I have any heartache about the ministry, I see wasted lives. Go in churches and see wasted lives. Know that someone's called to do some great things for God and that the present structure will never allow them to do it. It breaks your heart. All you can do is teach and train, teach and train, equip them, teach and train, equip them, which is what I did for a year. But with here, it's different. We're, we're building something completely new for us that's going to take us someplace and we don't exactly know where we're going. We don't know what we're going to look like a year from now. But it doesn't matter because we know it's going to be kingdom. How do we know? Because we're going to follow the king. He's going to take us where we want to go. He's going to answer the questions that come up. The main thing is, is that you guys become kingdom people. Living in a, knowing, you're, knowing that you belong to the king. In your heart, you want to belong to the king. How many of you know that you'll never totally belong to the king? Because you'll have things crop up and you, you'll kick outside the kingdom and get mad at somebody or you got, a, you got pressure. Someone dies and grief buries you and there's all kinds of things that can happen to you to pull you out of the kingdom that, are, that aren't necessarily your fault. But I'm telling you, we're going to find out who we are, what our purpose is. You mean I have a purpose? Yeah, you got a purpose. What a tragedy. Someone will be on their deathbed and say, you know, I've been a Christian all my life, and I never found my purpose. I never accomplished anything for God. That's the saddest words in all the world, and it's not necessary. 
Because we, when we live in a kingdom environment, it's automatically that you find out. Why? How do, how do you find out if you got ministry gifts? How? Who can tell me? How, how do you find out you got ministry gifts? What? You go minister. You go minister. I'm going to take you with me. We're going to go down the road, and we're going to pray over everybody we meet. And you'll find out what's inside of you. You're going to find out there's more in you than you ever thought about. See, that's, that, it's a discovery. Find out who you are on the inside. It's a discovery. And we're going to find out the structure that we have and that we're putting into place will allow you to f- come into your fullness, whatever that is. We don't have predetermined ideas. That's why we, we, you're, you're not going to ever hear us say, I'm this, I'm that. We don't know if they're apostles or prophets or teachers or pastors or evangelists. We don't really know. And I told don't tell anybody. If they ask you, say, we don't know yet. That's viable. Is that not fair? I don't know who I am yet. I've never been in a structure that would allow me to find out. Can you prophesy? I don't know. I've never been in a structure where I was trained for it. Can you heal the sick? I don't know. I was never in a structure that allowed me to try. I never had the teaching training. By the way, the word equipping, don't don't ever forget this word. I'm going to give you a definition. Equipping is this, creating in a person a capacity for ministry. See, Ephesians 4.12 says, we're going to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry. You're going to leave, you need to read Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Lord, what am I supposed to become? What's the body supposed to look like in its fullness? That, that's the greatest description of the church that, that's in the scriptures. Ephesians is a great book. It's all about the church anyway. And, and, and 11 through 16 tells you not only, not only what you're going to become, but now you find out why you need the five-fold ministry to develop that. You can't, one gifting, one pastor in charge of a church can never take the church where it's supposed to go. He doesn't have the gifting for it. Even one apostle can't do it. See, I look at guys that say they're apostles. The first thing I ask them is, where's your prophet? They're building something. Where's your foundation prophet? We don't have a prophet. Then how do you know how to build? Well, I'm prophetic. Okay? I believe that. I'm just telling you that the foundation of the church is built on the prophets and the apostles and prophets. There should be both giftings in the church to have the proper foundation or an access to that outside the church. I'm going to be a mixture of that because I'm going to be here a lot. I'm not coming by every six months and say hi and, and encourage the guys. That's not my job. My job is to come alongside for this season. I, I, I gave them five years. That's a long commitment, isn't it? For God, 79 years old. But I know I'll live that long because God told me I had five years. So I, got, I, I committed for five years. Isn't that wonderful? God's going to move me. But I believe this is a, this is a prophetic uh, guess. <laughs> I, I believe by the end of March I'll be in Ocala, which is only two hours and 45 minutes away. Everything will be easy after that. So get rid of these eight-hour trips, okay? All right, let's go on. How much time we got? Oh, I'm going to finish that. Oh, wow. Golly, time flies by. Okay. We're not after pastors. We need them. Every church needs to have pastoral care. When it, when it comes to conquering new territory, the typical pastor is not so sure of living under tents. He doesn't think that's appealing. See, the, 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 the apostle doesn't care how hard it gets. We're going to go into unknown territory. What if they kill you over there? Well, what if they do? Young man meets this. this I know, I know, I know. Of the young man, I know the, the father pretty good. They meet on 
on uh, Huntington Beach, I think, in California. The boy's 19 years old. He said, Dad, I've got to go to Southeast Asia. And I bought me a one-way ticket. And the father says, son, God bless you. You go ahead and go. And if you don't come back, and if I don't see you back here, I'll see you in heaven. These are some people that know what God's doing in their life. See? You say, what kind of people are they? What kind of people that would rejoice over their son going to Southeast Asia and they may never see him again? They'll have to get killed over there. It's tough on Christians over there. You know what I mean? But they rejoiced in it. They, see, they, they, there's a whole different mindset. The pastor said, wait a minute, we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. That's why they don't allow the prophetic and a lot of this miraculous stuff to go on. We've got to protect the flock. That's their job. That's their job. I'm not mad at them over that. I'm saying, listen, I love it. You take care of the flock the ones that can't go, but the, one, the mighty warriors that can go, we're going to go conquer the land. The apostles and prophets said, come on, we're going. John, the prophet, saw something out there, and I decided we're going to go and see what it is. What if it's bad? can't be bad. God's going with it, right? What's what Moses said, Lord, I'm gonna, I'll go if you're going. If you ain't going, I ain't going. Isn't that good? But God's going to go with it. He's going to go with us and encourage us and set us up. Okay, I'm going to finish up. This is good stuff, but I can't continue. I've got too many stories. One more thing. Mm -hmm. For the formation process, we need apostolic and prophetic DNA. We need an apostolic, we need a, a DNA that's in the thing that says, nothing's too hard for our God. Joshua says, we're going over. Guys, three, see, they, Moses turned over. He, they're sitting there on the bank. I don't know how long they sat there. They were 40 years trying to make up their mind. Going 100, they go 100 yards and pitch their tents again. You know, they get up in the morning, they look to see if the cloud was there. That night, they look to see if the fire was there. If, it's, if it was still there, they didn't do anything. As soon as it started to move, they pitched their tents and left. That's why they were nomads, because they were following the Holy Ghost. Nobody wants to follow the Holy Ghost now. You don't understand. You understand, I want to go do this. I want to go do that. I, look at that over there. Man, I want to go some, spend some time in the mountains. And God says, you can't do that, Bill. You can't do that yet. I have need of you here. You've got to follow the wisp of the Spirit. Yeah, but how do I know it's God? Follow the wisp of the Spirit. The Spirit will take you where you want to be. And when you get there, he'll empower you to be great and mighty in the name of Jesus. This is, this is crazy stuff. Norm, you've done these wild things. How does that happen? I just do what I see God doing. I do what God tells me to do. And I, and I, and I have no idea what's going to happen in Tifton. I only know two things. I'm committed to be here, right? And I'm wild about what God's going to do. And whatever he wants to do, that's what we'll do. But I also have experience. I know what he wants to do in, in, a, in a certain sense. Specifically, I don't know, but generally, he wants to have a body of believers who are sold out to the kingdom of God and are sold out to the king. Isn't that good? Matthew 10, 7, 8, Jesus told them, how many want to be a disciple? I'm not asking if you are disciples. How many want to be a disciple? Say, okay, then here's what disciples do. Jesus said to the disciples, go. I used to be able to do this in Spanish, but I don't know how to do it in Spanish. Go, preach, say the kingdom of heaven's at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely receive, freely give. See, that's, that's, that's every disciple. So it's not a question of, well, I'm not an apostle. It's got nothing to do with that. Every disciple is supposed to be supernatural because you got a supernatural person on the inside of you. All you have to do is let them out. 
Lord, would you heal that person if I pray for him? He said, try me and see. And you go over and pray for them, they don't get healed. What's wrong? Well, first you need training. Because I'm telling you this, if I pray for someone with pain, and I can get that pain to go from a 10 to a 9 and a half, I win. Because I pray 20 times till it's all gone. Never had to pray that long for a person, but I will. I'll tell you this, I had one person, I prayed five times and nothing happened. Oh, that's impossible. It's impossible to pray for God's will in heaven to be present in her body here on the earth and something not happen. Impossible. So I looked at her and I said this, in three days you'll wake up with no pain. I moved into a different anointing. I moved into a command performance, apostolic command. Boom, this is going to happen. I met her three years later and she said, Three days I woke up with no pain. I don't know. I walked away and left. I never saw her again. Until three years later, she came back. She wanted a baby and she had the baby with her. 18 months old. Said three days I woke up, all the pain was gone. How does that work? How do I know? I'm just a guy. You know what I mean? I don't know how that works. But I know that I know that God's creative with his voice. Genesis 1:1. The spirit hovered. If you if we can get to see that. He started talking about the anointing coming down and being present here. See, when, when God's presence in here, we say, Lord, what do you want to do? You're here. What do you want to do? You want to do healing? You want to do prophecy? What do you want to do? We started asking, what, what about the miraculous do you want us to walk into? Because your presence is here. So if the presence of the Spirit hovered over the face of the void, and you know what happened? God spoke, let there be light, and light was. That's, that's creative ministry. We speak God's word under that hovering spirit, and we can command things to happen like that. Isn't that good? And that's where we're going, okay? I'll stop right there because I got four more points, but I'll stop there. I want to minister for five more minutes, and then we're out of here. As far as I'm concerned, I'll be out of here. Glory to God. God's such a good God. Hallelujah. Um, I'm sorry. I know who you are, but I don't know your name. Tell me. Timmy. I got a son named Timmy. He's 43 in San Francisco. No, I'm sorry. He's 45. 43. I got a lot of kids. <laughs> I heard the Lord say this, Tim. You have yearned in your heart to see things happen and to see them happen here. You've been yearning, yearning, yearning. I watched you worship God. I watched you come in here. I watched you come in last night. I watched you come in this morning and worshiping God. You had a yearning in your heart for things to be right. And the Lord says, we're, we're on our way. And the Lord said, just because you're older doesn't mean you don't have a part in it. You're going to do things in the next year that you never thought you would do. And the Lord says, if you'll just go with the flow and go with the anointing and go with the kingdom ministry outreach stuff, you're going to see things under your own hands. You're going to see the things your heart has yearned for. And the Lord says, get ready for it. I'm taking you there, and you're going to be, uh, you're going to be one of the champions of this church. You can have a miraculous ministry for a number of years. I'm not predicting how long you're going to live or whatever. How old are you anyway? Oh, yeah, you're young, 71 years. 71 years. Yes, it is. Okay, you're the youngest 71 year I've ever seen. And so, so anyway, you're going to go into that realm, and I'm, you're going to have a miraculous ministry, and, and it's going to be glorious for you. It's going to satisfy that in you that's never been satisfied, says the Lord. It's never been satisfied. You've always wanted that, and every place you went, it never come to pass because of the wrong wineskin. I'll just put it that way, wrong wineskin. Listen, you know how many right 
right wineskins around the country today that I know of? I know of about three. You say, are they all wrong, Norm? I don't know if they're all wrong. I just know they aren't all right. They're probably they're walking in a revelation. But I see things different because I, I see wild things. See? I gotta I have to tell you, I thought these wild things before I encountered Redding, California. All they did was prove that what I believed was right. I've always had that in me to go and do, and that's coming. Where's that now? Who are you? What's your name? Charity? Stand up, Charity. I want to minister to you. The grief is over, and you're, in, ready in, and you're going into a new realm. Come on up here. I need to lay hands on you. <clears throat> now, stand right here, and I'm going to tell everybody what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this finger, and I'm going to release all my anointing into her body, and she's going to be a different person. Okay? We're going to break every stronghold in your life right now. Okay, do you believe that? You want that? You want to let go of everything? You want to be whole and happy again? Completely inside and out, put your hands way up high. Walt, stand behind her. We don't know if once somebody gets good, Walt, you can go. Put your hands way up high. Close your eyes. Just get ready to receive. Say, Lord, I, want, I receive. Ready, guys? Hey! Right now, top to the bottom. We command every foul spirit to release her and let her go. In the name of Jesus. We give you glory, Lord. We thank you for setting her free. Charity, a giver of love. Amen. Now, you may not feel different today, but before the week's out, you're going to call everybody testifying of your new freedom. Okay? Amen. Uh, I, I'm ready, Prophet. Oh, really? Oh, wow. I didn't know those golden two graces were coming. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> well, she's so good. Hallelujah. Well, it's time for us to close out, man, but we've got some words and we've got some things to do, and, you know, we've said yes to the Lord. Uh, I want to thank Prophet Norman, Apostle Norman, for coming with us and pouring into us. He came on Friday, so we spent Friday, Saturday, and now today with him. Um, he's going to come again next month, and he's going to begin to teach us even more and bring us into deeper, deeper levels. And there's some changes that are going on that we will outlay for you in terms of who we are, what our vision statement is, and kind of where we're going. And you know, we're, we're touching the, the outside of something that God is calling. Again, one of the words that I gave last night was saying, we've got to cover ourselves and, and keep ourselves in his word. And the things that we're going into, there, there will have to be a time for fasting and, and, and prayer, consistent prayer against the wiles of the enemy that would want to take the seed that we, we have here. Um, but as we begin to close out, you know, I'm just going to pray. We are going to take an offering here, uh, a tithing offering, but uh, the envelopes, everything still goes to, to one love. We're still using that name for now, and, and, and we talked about a different name now. Uh, you know, Kingdom Center is where, where we will be transitioning to in time. 
but uh, right now we're still One Love, so, you know, your offering will be going to One Love Church. If you have uh, any desire to also support uh, Prophet Norman's ministry, our love offering for him too, please uh, put that designation on your envelope if you would like to. Um, I'm going to ask you to stand as we close out. I'm excited because I'm ready to pop, and I don't know if you know what this means to me, but there are some things that I saw 20 years ago when I came here that was supposed to happen, and for whatever reasons, uh, those things were distracted. And until now, the Lord says, he says, my presence is here, and I will do that. And it's amazing to me is that his word is true, but it's not the way that I thought it was supposed to occur. I've never felt like I was supposed to be in this place to even do it or participate it. I wanted to observe because that's the way I was trained, was to always be an observer. And now he says, be ye a doer of the word. He's calling that even to you. And prophetically, we see giftings in you, and we'll be talking about that. Uh, if you had come last night, we even talked about a place that we're looking at. We're going to need some folks that are, are willing to kind of roll up their sleeves and get their hands dirty over the next few weeks because we have a place, we have things that need to be taught, we have a foundation to set, and all of this is being organized even as we speak. So now we have a structure and we have a covering. And to me, it's an exciting time. Amen. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. Father God, we just come to you today thanking you for being our glorious almighty God. Father, we thank you for your visitation and your presence this morning as you walked among us. And we're not always sure of what you're about to do, but we know that it's going to be a good thing. Father, we desire to have a deeper revelation of you. We know that you're in us, but we also know that you've called us for such a time as this to go. And unfortunately, we didn't know where to go or how to go. And we're thankful now that you're sending men of character around us to be our papa and to give us the revelation and instructions of where and how. And he says that he is aware that it's not just by works, but it's by his spirit. It, it is a comfort in knowing that we do things not because we get a check. Because you're here this morning, we're not putting a check on a, attendance and saying, oh, boy, this is great. This one, has, she's got five checks. You know, it's not about that. There's a hunger to be in his presence to see what he is going to do. And it's a privilege to be with the people of God. So, Father, we bless them during this season. We, we, we stir that hunger. And we also, Father, we put the cloak of the new wineskin on them that's going to take us to different places. We make ourselves ready. Now we take this offering that we have. We take this seed, which represents the 10% as, as Brother Don comes forth. We, we take the seed and we sow it into the kingdom of God. We're not giving it to a man. We're not necessarily giving it to what we call the ministry. We're giving it to the kingdom of God. And I, I always, it helps me to kind of see the clouds open and God's hand coming out and me placing it in his hand and saying, Father, do what you want to do with this. You're the one that gave me life. You're the one that saved me. You're the one that enveloped me with your love. And you gave me 100% of everything you had and even more. You sent your son. And because of that reason, Father, you gave me 100% of everything that you have. And even what I have now, this represents you. And you've asked for 10% of it for me to have that choice to give that 10% back. Oh, what a privilege to give this to you so that it will be used to further your kingdom. And also the blessing that we receive when we give it to him, which says that we trust him 
every aspect of his word, and we receive him this day. So I bless these people as they depart from here, Father. I ask that you protect them, that you keep them, that you show them a, Greek, a deeper and greater love in Jesus' name. Amen.